0: Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt is sponsored by the Marquardt Law Firm and does not attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of information contained herein. Instead, contact an attorney to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. The views and opinions of this program do not reflect the views of the Salem Media Group. Water in the
1: court. Be seated.
0: It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question, veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt.
1: Welcome to Talk Law Radio on 930 AM The Answer, Apple Podcasts, and talklawradio.com. I'm Todd Marquardt, your host. Attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm are sponsoring our show today. And attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, tax-protected inheritance plans, new businesses, and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, FLPs, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like guardianships and probate. And our new attorneys, Daniel Palmer, Alex Vollmer, and me, can advocate for you in a courtroom trial, if needed. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, Material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing, and failing to do your will. Please help Karen and me give good information to the listeners about legacy. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people for our own good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today on our show, I am honored to introduce a retired civil servant, a full-time granny of eight, a mother of four successful adult children, and the number one fan of Talk Law Radio, my mom, Karen Marquardt. My mom is on Talk Law Radio today because I realized how interesting her career in government as a civil servant was. To share her experience as a caregiver for her mother and my mama, so that caregivers know that they are not alone. Finally, and as always, we'll talk about legacy. Before we get started talking to Karen about her education and work experience, let's take a quick break. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt, on 930 AM The Answer. If you're just joining us, uh, I'm honored to introduce a retired civil servant, full-time granny of eight, mother of four successful adult children, and the number one fan of Talk Law Radio, my mom, Karen Marquardt.
2: Good morning, Todd. I'm excited and thankful to be here with you this morning.
1: I'm honored to have you. Let's get started talking about your life. Where did you grow up?
2: Well, I was born and raised in Clovis, New Mexico. I lived there my whole life. Um... Until um, my uh, dad got us out of the Air Force and got a civil uh, service job with White Sands. um, The uh, missile
1: range, right? Right. And so you moved to Alamogordo?
2: And so we moved to Alamogordo. Now, those were the days when... um, if your husband, uh, you did whatever your husband uh, wanted you to do, and so he got this job outside of Almagordo, so there was no question in that we would move to Almagordo. Now, I had a hard time leaving because uh, all my friends that I grew up with and I had a boyfriend. <laughs>
1: that was your senior year, right? That yeah. you started at Alamogordo.
2: Yes, we moved here the summer of sixty six. Okay, in Alamogordo.
1: And uh, but Alamogordo has an Air Force base there too, right?
2: Right, Cannon Air Force Base.
1: Cannon was in Clovis. Right. Holloman's in Alamogordo. Right. Okay, but you moved to Alamogordo for grand, your dad, to work as a civil servant at White Sands Missile Range. Yes. Okay. And then you uh, graduated from high school and got married and started a family. Let's uh, fast forward to some of your work experience. Tell us about one of your first jobs.
2: One of my first jobs was I worked at J.C. Penney's, and it was located in downtown Almogordo, And then there were some family issues, and so I quit. Then I went to work at the Desert Air... And when I left there, I was assistant manager. I loved working at the Desert Air. That
1: was a hotel, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And um, then after that, after that, I worked with my husband in an optical company for many years. And later on, I started to go back to college at NMSUA, New Mexico State um, University, Almogordo, and was able to get my degree, Bachelor of Science, from Las Cruces eventually.
1: Right, and social psychology, right? Yes. What uh, interested you about that subject?
2: Well, they always say that people that get their degree in psychology are trying to figure themselves out. <laughs> 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 but I was just real interested in it, and um, I hope to um, go into uh, social work to help, help women help themselves. Mm-hmm. So that was the original intent.
1: Oh, good. And you eventually did that by uh, starting work at um, the Older American Center.
2: Yes, yes. I loved working at the Older American Center with the seniors, and it was just uh, a lot of fun to be there. I helped them uh, with filling out forms and I did a lot of uh, the artwork that was on the bulletin boards, and...
1: And you did the monthly newsletter. I'm sorry? You did the newsletter, right?
2: Oh, yes. I did the senior newsletter, and uh, that would be funny to all of your listeners because uh, what I did... I had to type on the typewriter um, the different um, information like uh, what they were going to have to eat for lunch that week, what the activities were, and um, just general knowledge of all activities. Now, this had to be typed separately because it had to be uh, cut and pasted Uh, to, like, a big white uh, piece of um, bulletin paper. And then I would take it to the printer, and um, they would reduce the size and then print uh, the newsletter from that, and then it would be handed out.
1: So you really did cut and paste.
2: Oh, yes. It (laughs) it, it, (laughs) was... It was a lot it was a lot of work.
1: and some of the events that you organized uh, for the seniors, what were they?
2: Well, I uh, organized and helped with the senior prom, and the seniors the senior prom is where all the seniors would uh, go. They love to get out and dance. And a king and queen would be crowned, and the king and queen would be uh two individuals that gave a lot to the american center and oh,
1: okay, so it was more to honor them for their service.
2: Yes, yes,
1: not just because they were the most popular, correct. <laughs> Okay, if you're just joining us, this is Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquart. And I'm interviewing my mom today uh, because I realized how interesting her career in government as a civil servant was. And uh, she wanted to share her experience as a caregiver uh, so that other givers know that they're not alone in that journey. We're going to take another break. And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, some of the work that she's done at the Holloman Air Force Base uh, near Alamogordo, New Mexico. But if you uh, miss part of the episode, you can always catch us on Apple uh, Podcasts, or you can stream off of www.talkwallradio.com. Or you can stream live on 9:30 a.m. TheAnswer.com. Uh, this episode's recorded, um, so you you'll find us uh, next uh, Saturday coming up in just a few days. Um, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back.
3: All business owners and industry leaders seeking to elevate your brand and align with a highly targeted audience. Talklaw Radio invites you to partner with us in bringing in-depth interviews with expert guests, thought-provoking discussions, and practical advice on a variety of matters to the listening audience. Let us get your business name out into the community. Log on to talklawradio.com to find out how you can become a sponsor. That's talklawradio.com.
1: Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Markport. We're here helping you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. And if you're just joining us, you should know that I'm introducing a retired civil servant, full-time granny of eight, mother of four successful adult children, And the number one fan of Talk Law Radio, my mom, Karen Marquardt. We were just talking about your history with the Older American Center, and we're going to be talking about your experience with uh, your work at Holloman Air Force Base.
2: Okay, great.
1: So tell us, how did you get interested in that job opening?
2: Well... I was living in Las Cruces with uh, my two youngest sons, taking classes at New Mexico State University, and my daughter was really good friends with this young lady named Nicole, and Nicole told Christie uh, that I should apply for a position. Out at Holloman for the stealth program. Uh, her mother was big instigator of that, mm-hmm. and uh, got me the interview and everything. So I was uh, actually one of the first people that was hired in Alamogordo for this program, and at the time it was called CAE Link. So it was a government contract that they had with the Air Force.
1: You probably really didn't know about the stealth aircraft at that point.
2: Oh no. Cuz it I, was a secret. I had no idea. I was just I was just in awe. I was just um, so excited. I I was so thankful, oh my gosh, it was going to be a wonderful job. I uh, first started out as an administrative assistant um, and then then I moved up um, and did the computer-based training graphic art which included um, interactive um, interactive computer programming between uh, the computer and the pilots. So
1: this was the, the, the training the stealth pilots. It was a training program department, right?
2: Oh, exactly. Exactly. And... Um, they couldn't. Uh, f- they couldn't fly the stealth, and still they had this uh, program finished. And at the same time, uh, while they were uh, attending classes all day, they also had to go to a different building, and uh, the government had a simulator. And so they would have to learn to fly the simulator and pass all these tests before they could fly the stealth.
1: And something that was unique about the simulator was it was sort of like an exact replica of the cockpit.
2: Oh, exactly, exactly. Everything. And... Um, I uh, tried my best at that simulator, but I kept crashing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I guess they wanted you to know what it was like for the the training.
2: Right, wanted to experience it.
1: So something else you did was um, programming.
2: Yes. I... um, uh, did all the programming for um, the computer to ask the pilot the questions. Okay. And that's how the interactive between the computer and the pilot came to be.
1: Okay. That's so interesting. And you did that for a few years. Um, What were some of the the highlights of uh, working in that department, in that program?
2: The highlights, I would just say number one was just uh, being part of um, a group that uh, was helping the government with the plane, the stealth, I was just so proud to be there and so excited. And, um...
1: And during that time, it it was a big secret.
2: Oh, oh. Well, see, the stealth came from Tonopah, Nevada, and, um... Nobody, nobody knew anything about the stealth, and so some of those UFO sightings were uh, the stealth practicing their flying. Uh Uh-huh. But, um, no, I had an in-depth secret clearance, and um, even just to get into the building, you know, you had to... You had to be cleared.
1: That's great. Okay, so we're here with my mom, Karen Marcourt, on Talk Law Radio. Uh, she's been telling us about her experience working as a civil servant at Holloman Air Force Base with uh, training stealth pilots. Um, next, I, I want to talk to you about your experience as a social worker. Tell us about how you got started doing that.
2: Well, uh, when I was still at Holloman, um, where the stealth was, I uh, was looking into uh, other other jobs that uh, included about uh, helping people. That was the original. Idea when I went back to college was, uh, some sort of social work to, uh, help women help themselves. So I had a job interview with, uh, Health and Human Services, um, in Alamogordo from the state of New Mexico. And, um, I was hired at, as a caseworker and when uh, clients would uh, come in, they would apply for uh, food stamps and Medicaid and Medicare and cash assistance. So my uh, principal job was uh, to verify their information and uh, to help them as much as I could.
1: And do you remember clients that came in that uh, didn't understand the program that you helped and and they thanked you for it?
2: There was... um, Well, I have to tell you this story right quick. There was this uh, lady... And she had quite a few children. And uh, her husband was a truck driver. And so uh, when you're a truck driver, you have so many receipts. I mean, just off-the-wall receipts for this and that. And um, I helped her... uh I helped her get Medicaid uh, for her children and uh, helped her get some food stamps. And she was, oh, she was so thankful. Uh, One holiday season, uh, she uh, brought me a homemade pecan pie.
1: (laughs) I love pecan pie.
2: And uh, she would bring uh, two of her daughters, and uh, they just uh, they just loved me, and I just, you know, tried to help them with everything I could.
1: That's a great story. That shows uh, the the work, good work you did for them. Okay, well, we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about a new adventure that my mom, Karen Marquardt, had working as a civil servant back in New Mexico. Before we uh, break, I just want to mention that you can listen to all of my past episodes of Talk Law Radio by going to Apple Podcasts, Uh, look for My Smiling Face, and you can search for the words Talk Law Radio, And click on my photo there. And then you'll see a list of episodes. Um, This episode we're doing with Karen is number 64. So you can learn all about estate planning, financial planning, tax planning, and the legal ramifications of all of that. Just listen to those past episodes. And... Uh, You can also find me on uh, www.talklawradio.com. You can find the episodes there as well. Uh, If you don't have an Apple device, you can go on the Internet and find me on www.talklawradio.com. Okay, so we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back.
3: business owners and industry leaders seeking to elevate your brand and align with a highly targeted audience Talk Law Radio invites you to partner with us in bringing in-depth interviews with expert guests thought-provoking discussions and practical advice on a variety of matters to the listening audience Let us get your business name out into the community. Log on to TalkLawRadio.com to find out how you can become a sponsor That's TalkLawRadio.com
1: Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquart. I am interviewing my mom, Karen Marquart, because I realized how interesting her career in government as a civil servant was, and she wanted to share her experience as a caregiver so that other caregivers know they're not alone. We just finished talking about her time uh, working with the Stealth at Holloman Air Force Base and their training department. And now I'd like to find out uh, what your next adventure was at Holloman.
2: Well, my, you're right. My next adventure, <laughs> my goodness. I um, got a job with uh, Air Force Housing and the company that um, was managing ha- base housing was uh, Shanega Management. And uh, my position there was a housing referral cons- consultant. I was uh, to help the military personnel find housing, uh, whether it be rental or, buy- or buying, in the community because not everybody uh, wanted to live in uh, base housing. So um, the Air Force commander um, wanted to know um, have a market and analysis to determine the requirements for personnel at Holloman Air Force Base. So I worked directly um, with the Air Force. Um, with the
1: commander, right?
2: Yes. And um, so my work with this market uh, analysis was a big achievement. The Air Force had a big write-up. Um, and there were a little newspaper called the sunburst uh rewarding me
1: you were awarded the commander's coin
2: yes yes um that's a very very uh special special award and it was given to me directly from the camp commander for uh the work that I did on this housing project. Because they
1: needed that information uh, to present to Congress, maybe, so that they could get additional money for housing?
2: Right. Well, they they didn't want uh, their military personnel moving into any kind of um, unsub uh, living conditions. So all the apartment complexes and... um, the homes that were for rent or for sale, I had to go look at before uh, I could uh, suggest them to uh, the. Yeah, to check it out. Yes. Yes.
1: To make sure that it was uh, going to be up to par. Yes. Good. That was important work you did for them. Um, did you run into any satisfied? Uh, military personnel that were appreciated your work and finding them housing
2: yes i did i did i had um, a lot of the military families stay in touch they would come by the office sometimes just to say hello and say how they were doing and then um they would come back to see me if um Uh, the husband or the wife was getting transferred and they needed to sell this home. So then then I tried to market that home for sale so they could get on with being transferred to another place.
1: That sounds so rewarding. Okay, well before we uh, move on to your next adventure, uh, let's take a quick break.
4: Discover the fascinating world of the law with Talk Law Radio. Listen to 930 AM The Answer every Saturday morning at 11 for insightful discussions and expert analysis. Then, don't miss out on a thrilling bonus segment every Sunday at 4.30 p.m. when Talk Law Radio's attorney, Todd Marquart, offers his professional perspective on trending legal issues. Stay informed and engaged with the legal matters that shape our nation. Join Talk law Radio for an enriching radio experience on 930 AM The Answer. And for more info, go to TalkLawRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. I'm here with my mom, Karen Marquardt, talking about her adventures in working as a social worker and as a civil servant. Um, After you moved on from working with uh, base housing at Holloman Air Force Base, um, you worked as a caregiver for your mom and my grandmother. But before we get to the details of that... It probably all started um, way back when. We got to give him some history about Grand Service in Korea.
2: Oh yes, he um, he was a very proud man, and uh, but he was would never brag on himself. But um, he uh, to begin with uh, when he was younger. He joined the Army, and um, that's where he went uh, to Korea. And um, it was a horrible time over there for him. I can't remember how many years he was over there, but um, in one uh, specific episode, um, his uh, best friend, that was uh, standing not far from him, got blown up. And so my uh, dad uh, ended up with a lot of shrapnel in uh, his uh, legs and arms, which uh, they uh, the medical community could never uh, get rid of that shrapnel. So he was on a small disability later in life not right then so after this happened with his uh, best friend my dad uh, was going to go back to uh, college his dream was to be an architect and um, he had a nervous breakdown over his best friend uh, dying right in front of him so he was unable to um complete a college education. So then what he did was he joined the the Air Force, and um, he spent some time uh, up in Alaska, and um, for some reason then he uh, got transferred to Cannon Air Force Base in Clovis, and uh, he finished his Air Force career in Clovis, and then that's why when he applied uh, for civil service out at White Sands Missile Range.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing all that. Uh, he he was going to work out there and, until he retired, and that's when uh, they found out he had pancreatic cancer.
2: Yes, he uh, he could be he could be so stubborn. He would never. Um, he would never tell you if he was in pain. Or a funny thing is uh, that Mex- Mexican food um, could not be hot enough for him. He would never <laughs> admit that that was too hot. But
1: So he, he did discover that it was pancreatic oh, cancer. Oh,
2: yes. So his back, uh, he was just having a lot of pain and problems with his back. And so my mother took him to this surgeon in um, Almogordo. It didn't show up on the x-rays back in uh, 1992. And uh, so Dr. O'Brien said he was just going to uh, open him up and see what was going on. And when he did, um, Dr. O'Brien said that... Uh, he had a cancerous tumor the size of a football uh, oh in gosh. his body. So he just uh, closed him uh, right back up. And um, at that time, I was living in Cur- Los Cruces. The boys and I came right, right quickly to Alamogordo to see him. And uh, he lived one week. And uh, the boys and I were there at that time.
1: Yeah, he passed away. He was only 60 years old.
2: Right. My mother always regretted that um, he didn't get to retire. Yeah. She was planning a retirement party for him, Mm -hmm. in fact.
1: Yeah, Mama always told me how hard they worked. And so she was always looking forward to retirement. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes.
1: Okay, so that serves as a good background to uh, what happened next uh, after Grand passed away and uh, Mama was quite lonely, wasn't she?
2: Yes, she was uh, very lonely. And uh, even while she was still working before she retired, she just depended on me for everything. And at that time is when I was working out at Holloman. And then um, she uh, retired in 1995. And with uh, her working her whole life in retirement, she did not know what to do with herself. And my sister and I encouraged her to volunteer you know, to call her friends.
1: She did bowling, right?
2: And uh, she did do bowling, and she got some trophies for her bowling.
1: But she never really recovered from losing her husband. She was so devastated.
2: Oh, oh, it was just unbelievable. I mean, she was, she was absolutely lost. She just couldn't function.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that about Gran and, and Mamaw's history. This is our legacy segment, and because my mom's here with me, I'm going to ask her about uh, her her mom's legacy and about her legacy, and then uh, because Marquardt Law Firm focuses on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans, uh, I'll talk a little bit about what the minimum standard of care is for estate planning for lawyers to provide and, and what a recommended estate plan would look like. So, Mom, you just finished talking about um, the struggles that your mom and dad, my mamaw and gran, uh, went through as they were retiring. Um, Let's talk about how you got started helping mamaw being her caregiver. You had uh, moved to San Antonio following your last adventure so that you could Uh, watch your grandchildren grow up and then uh, you had to move back to take care of her. Will you say something about that?
2: Yes. I um, when um, Todd moved to uh, San Antonio to go to law school and uh, his brother Tyrone um, came to San Antonio. So uh, all my grandchildren were in San Antonio. So I wanted to uh, be with my family, and Tyrone would just uh, call me and call me and just beg me to move to San Antonio. So uh, so I sold my home and uh, moved to San Antonio, and uh, while I was in San Antonio, I did some substitute teaching. But the main reason that I was there was um, to help uh, my boys with their families, with their children while they worked. And um, so I babysat their kids and tried my best to take care of each family.
1: But then Mama needed some more help.
2: Yes. Then uh, uh, my mother, she kept getting uh, worse with her memory. My sister and I met in Almogorda with my mother at their neurologist. And uh, so then the neurologist talked about uh, her dementia, that she was uh, getting uh, dementia and it was unsafe for her to be by herself. Well, my sister, uh, she uh, said uh, that she just wanted to put her in a home that she didn't want to have to deal with it. And one thing my mother uh, told me my whole life is that she never wanted uh, to be put in a, a home
1: and she didn't just tell you that she told everybody that,
2: <laughs> yeah, and so uh when my sister wasn't gonna uh do anything to help out and um so I moved uh, back to Almobordo to take care of my mother at that time uh she wasn't uh very bad with uh dementia. But um, I did live with her in El Maguardo for several years. But once again, I missed my San Antonio family and uh, convinced my mother that we all needed to be together as a family. And so she uh, sold her home, and uh, we packed me up and her up and uh, moved to San Antonio and bought a nice home, and uh, so I uh, uh, made possible for all her doctor visits and started to uh, care uh, for her personal and emotional needs more and more every day.
1: What I remember about her fear of Alzheimer's was uh, sometime during the 90s, there were lots of news stories about nursing homes, like on 2020 and Dateline and 60 Minutes. Do you remember those shows?
2: Well, I do, but uh, uh, this was even before, you know, she just made me promise that I would never do that. And uh, I was the oldest child, and so I was always trying to uh, do for my mother I loved her very much, and I, and I wanted to fulfill my duties as a daughter, uh, to take care of her when she went through uh, Alzheimer's. I'm glad you brought
1: that up because her her experience and your experience in caring for her, uh, along with my dad's mom, uh, my grandmommy. led me to the field of elder law because I, I was so interested in taking care of that older person. And in law school, I learned that there was this field of practice where lawyers helped uh, arrange things so that uh, everything was in order for the older person. So uh, in my studies, I ran across this uh, legal scholar named William Blackstone uh, he was alive uh, way back in 1836 in England, and he compiled commentaries on the laws of England into books. Now, you have to remember that most of the, the law back then were, were, was just put together by uh, judges in court cases, and so for him to put these commentaries together in, in books uh, separated by subject matter was a big task. So uh, this is, uh, summarizes some of my philosophy and the practice of elder law. Uh, he said, quote, There is a moral responsibility, even higher than the legal, for children to help their needy parents. The duties of children to their parents arise from a principle of natural justice and retribution. For those who gave us existence, we naturally owe subjection and obedience during our minority in honor and reverence ever after. They who protected the weakness of our infancy are entitled to our protection in the infirmity of their age. They who by sustenance and education have enabled their offspring to prosper ought in return to be supported by that offspring in case they stand in need of assistance. So that's the the legacy that I've already learned even why That's awesome. all of you were still alive. And uh, so after we take a quick break, we're going to talk about um, some family heirlooms that you've received that were meaningful to you and, and some family heirlooms that you'd like to pass along. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Markworth. I'm here with my mom and we've been talking about her parents, uh, her mom and dad, my mama and gran. And so now we've come to the point where we want to talk about uh, family heirlooms and legacy. So, Mom, will you share with us how you would like to be remembered?
2: Well, I have thought about it and thought about it. And the most important things to me that I would want my Uh, children and grandchildren to remember, um, that I was a Christian and, uh, loved my Lord and Savior. Also, I love my children and grandchildren unconditionally and I want them to love each other unconditionally. I loved my mother with all my heart and, um, I wasn't a perfect daughter. But I tried my very best to take care of her. I love crafts, crocheting, sewing, reading, scrapbooking. Uh, No one would be able to believe the number of boxes of scrapbooks that I have in storage and um, some of my children have in storage.
1: Yeah, these are professional books of photos and memories.
2: Oh, definitely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, tell us about a unique family heirloom that you received.
2: When my mother was still living at home, uh, my granny and grandpa bought her uh, a bedroom set. Then when she got married, uh, they gave her that bedroom set. Then when she decided that she wanted a new bedroom set, she gave me a bedroom set. So I've had this bedroom set. Uh, set since I was in the seventh grade. I was always very proud and loved that bedroom set. I never wanted to change it or leave it. And it has traveled far and wide with me as I have moved numerous times.
1: And what else did you get from your granny?
2: Well, the other thing that I have, um, that I always wanted, uh, was uh, my granny's uh, rocking chair and stool. It's from the 1900s, 1920s. And uh, I always wanted that rocking chair and that little stool. And then uh, my mother always said that I could have that uh, rocking chair and stool.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Before we leave, I do want to say some things about the law. You're probably wondering, how do I leave a legacy? Doesn't my spouse automatically inherit from me? Don't my children automatically inherit from me? Well, the way to leave a legacy in peace for the family without chaos and conflict is at a minimum to have a valid last will and testament. If you don't have a valid last will and testament, the state of Texas has one written for you in the Texas Estates Code. That means a judge will determine who the rightful heir is based on your marital status at the time of death and by hearing testimony from disinterested witnesses about whether you have biological children from multiple relationships. Wait, there's more. After the judge decides who is entitled as an heir, an administrator of the estate, also known as the personal representative or the executor, must pay the bills, wrap up your affairs, and distribute whatever's left by transferring legal title to the assets from the probate estate as the owner to the individually named beneficiaries as heirs. It's much better, less expensive, and less time-consuming to administer an estate when there's a valid last will and testament. Okay, so that wraps up our time on the radio today. Hope you had a good time.
2: Oh, I really had a wonderful time. Uh, I just want to say um, my oldest son's name is Philip and his wife, Kirsten, and their son, James. And uh, my daughter uh, and her family in uh, Denver, Hank, Christy, Lauren, and Kyle. And then, of course, Todd and his family live here, and Tyrone and his family live here.
1: Well, thank you for joining us. Is there anything else you want to say about your children?
2: Well, I'm so proud of my son that you've been listening to today. I just think he is uh, A1. I'm so proud of him.
1: Number one fan of Talk Law Radio. See you next time. Thanks.
4: Discover the fascinating world of the law with Talk Law Radio. Listen to 930 AM The Answer every Saturday morning at 11 for insightful discussions and expert analysis. Then, don't miss out on a thrilling bonus segment every Sunday at 4.30 p.m. when Talk Law Radio's attorney, Todd Marquardt offers his professional perspective on trending legal issues. Stay informed and engaged with the legal matters that shape our nation. Join Talk law Radio for an enriching radio experience on 930 AM The Answer. And for more info, go to TalkLawRadio.com.